Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Finley's on Film. Yep. Hey, Tom. Hey, Joseph. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm well rested. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> are you? I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Tommy. Yeah, I know. But losing, missing a lot of sleep these days in the in the the hell oven that is Fresno. Hey, this spiraling collection of mistakes with a fucking city hall. Uh, have you seen our city hall, by the way? God, no. It's what? designed like a spaceship. Is it? It looks like um, the, 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 the impulse to escape a is stealth fighter. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, right. uh, you know what I'm remembering is mm, please November of 1977, and this was back when my parents were still blissfully married, Ugh. and we would have Thanksgiving at our house mm-hmm, every mm-hmm. year, yep. and so everyone would drive. This is outside of Fresno. Everyone would drive down. Yeah, so that's right. Including my brother, Danny, who to this day has a, like a ZZ Top beard. Mm, yeah. for I always thought Danny looked like, do uh, you remember uh, Grizzly Adams? Like He looked like yeah. Dan Haggerty. It was a Dan Haggerty. No, right? you're thinking of Gentle, isn't it the Ben? Not Grizzly Adams, though. No, I'm thinking of Grizzly okay, Adams, but, right. but, but but like if Grizzly Adams like also was like a cross trainer. So like it was super skinny. Yeah. Danny's always been in good shape and he has a gigantic beard mm-hmm. and you know, wears flannel and all this sort of stuff. And he would come down with my other brother, Mike, who had like this neatly trimmed beard and was mm-hmm. an architect. And so they got along great, but they were very different in that sense. Mm-hmm. And so they would hitchhike <laughs> down to our place and they hitchhiked down. Um, they started together and Mike said to Danny, Danny, God damn it. Like, Comb your your hair and like put a decent chair. Nobody's gonna pick us up. <laughs> and and Except so they got in the a mag- fight. And mm-hmm. and Mike says, "I listen. I'm sorry, man. I got a hitchhike separate from you." And so he goes off. And the next day, my brother Danny shows up. <laughs> I was gonna say in course. a convertible with these four <laughs> girls, and he's and he's got a, a frozen turkey on his lap. And he hops out of it. He goes, "We'll oh, see you later, girls." <laughs> and they drive away. My brother Mike. Couldn't make it for four days. No one would pick him up in his stupid tie and trimmed beard. But anyway, so 1977, we'd had a, had a few of these. Oh, we'd have Jesus so many Christ. people at our house that we'd be sleeping. People would be sleeping <laughs> under like kitchen tables, and mm-hmm. it was it was so much fun. But in 1977, um, you and your dad and your brother mentioned a film that you had seen oh, that da, everyone should da, see. Da, 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 it was Star Wars, da, and so we were like, "Wow, I, I think I've heard of this film, oh. and we should do it." And I, as I recall, and I don't think I'm exaggerating, either twelve or thirteen of us crammed into Aunt Sue's purple station wagon. I remember like, it being root beer brown, but I go with you either way on that. Okay, all right, but yeah. we're we're it's dangerously packed <laughs> with <laughs> with youngsters, <laughs> and and we head out to go see Star Wars, and it was, of course, I I think we actually walked in a couple of minutes late, and then stayed to watch the beginning of the next. Uh, Showing or something like that, yeah. but it was just a sort of seminal moment. In 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 you know, this was before I had gotten into classic film at all because I was six at the time. You must yeah. have been seven. Nobody or eight. Was, we weren't into shit at that point. No, but it was amazing. But now I want to go back because prior to mm. that was an argument between my mom and dad about whether I should be allowed to go at six years old. And my dad never cared <clears throat> what I did at all. Right. Um, <laughs> he had a lot in common with my dad, right? In that sense, but and but my mom was really concerned that this mm. movie was would give me nightmares, right? And anyway, so we go to see the, we see the film, and mm-hmm. and uh, 
and then Thanksgiving's over, and I I cried. I always cried when everyone left for Thanksgiving. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> leaving, leaving. Really, what I was crying about was leaving me back with my dad. But but uh, everyone right. left, and yep. and I had a goddamn nightmare that right. was unbelievable about the stormtroopers. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I couldn't tell anybody. Right. I right. couldn't tell anybody. And the reason I bring all of this up is this. Please. Is that that continued with me as I began to get into classic films and to love classic films is I also was a very depressive kid. It's probably why I watched so many classic films and hung out in libraries and so forth to begin with mm. rather than having friends right. except for the books and the classic films. Mm-hmm. And um, so I would do things like I, I, re- I ha- made an audio recording of 1963's The Days of Wine and Roses with <laughs> Lee Remick and Jack Lemmon and I would listen to it every <laughs> night in sixth grade as I went to sleep until my, my parents had to take it away from me. <laughs> and then the other thing is uh, holy shit. <laughs> okay hold on let's contextualize this for just a second the days of wine and roses is about spiraling alcoholics yeah. and a six-year-old is listening to no 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 i was in sixth grade oh i'm that's sorry different. that's totally not at all different <laughs> you know it's funny a it's, child is listening to this it's sixth grade my, my, no wonder you're an alcoholic now <laughs> holy shit my classmates you never had a chance my classmates tried to get me into D and i was like that is too nerdy but i would i would go to sleep listening to the days of wine and roses and i would be sad and i would go to sleep and it would just be this i loved it i loved being depressed we may never get to the stories because there's so much to unpack. In well, what you're just it's telling getting right there. there. I'm trying to transition slowly I, there because I want to go back. Okay, I go, ahead. go back. And Please, like go, this is the most '70s story anybody has told yep. in a long time in a podcast medium. Uh, my brother's hitchhike. We have hitchhiking. Yep. Uh, we have massive child endangerment and going to see Star Wars. That's like that's like that's covering like a lot of '70s right sure. there. That sure, that was really nice. And, and I have to say too, the other thing too about Mike, man, which is. My brother uh, Mike? Your, mother, your brother Mike Moore, especially your brother Danny, is if you knew Danny, that's the least surprising story ever because Danny's got he's nuts. He's got a yeah. nutty he's but he's got a, a he's got a good hearted Heart. personality yeah. that like exudes out of his freakish beard. There's almost <laughs> like you see it. Every all of us are disliked by a certain amount of people, some more than others, right? Right. right. But I, not the way you and I dislike each other, but like de- genuinely disliked by some people. Sure. And I've learned to accept that totally. Yeah. Danny seems to you be by a lot of people. Uh, surprising. Lot. Yeah, I don't even like myself right now. <laughs> That's the days of right wine now. and roses. <laughs> but but uh, Danny's disliked by almost nobody. He is disliked by almost nobody, and it's he's a problem. He's loved almost despite himself. Really? Yeah. I like goddamn that uh, that uh, party we had for um, uh, what was it? Uh, to, 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 uh, Get it out, Tom. Shit. Get it out. The, the coming of the year 2000, <laughs> hello? The, um, the Y2K party that we yeah. had. Oh, yeah. He showed up. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I think he like was like, he, was, he wasn't afraid of the end of the world. He was like ready for the end of it. Like, he, he was afraid of a bath. Jesus Christ, <laughs> man. You know what? Stank the goddamn place but up. He would, but he nobody would gave a shit. Nope. They loved him. He couldn't care less, and nobody cared. Nobody said a word. He nobody would have said a word. He came by some sort of event one time, and he made us all. Do you remember when he lined us all up? Mm-hmm. Do you remember he lined us all up? Everyone who was in that house, he made it stand and line up. And then he went and he turned all our heads in the same direction. <laughs> and every, You know what I'm going with this, right? Yeah. And everybody was like, what in the fuck is he doing? But they would do it because it was Danny. So he's, we're all standing there in a line, and he turns our heads into one direction. And he, he takes out his hand, and he starts at one person's, person's face, and he just goes in the line. He goes, la 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 la
And be, that's what he would do. Yeah. Okay. Just, 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 uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, the Danny stories could go, could go. We could do a Danny podcast, but. We're pretty much good, yeah. So he's, that, he's a unique as <laughs> shit. Okay. So the reason, yeah. I don't know, we went all over okay. the place, but one of the reasons I was thinking about this. Days of Wine and Roses. Was the first, I mean, we, we don't have to go in this order, but the first film for this episode is one that, that I loved, but also gave me nightmares for a long, long time. And that is. 1962's The Counterfeit Traitor, starring a Mr. William Holden, everybody. Bill Holden to some, and uh, <laughs> Lily Palmer. That's uh, Lily Palmer. Yes. It's, so it's it's a story. I think now you know more about this. You're, you're the historian, but but mm-hmm. it's I think it's kind of loosely based on a true story, right? Yeah, it's probably incredibly loosely based on a true story about this guy. It was a, uh, uh, an expatriate American living in Sweden uh, who. Um, was a very successful businessman in Sweden, which was a neutral country during World War II. Uh, and so he had a lot of dealings with uh, people in the Reich. The Reich, of course, you know, neutral countries is where, and particularly that old Scandinavian area is where they got a lot of their natural resources yeah. that weren't like specifically fuel. Like, like oil came from Romania, but all, all that other stuff, like the, you know, the, the, the crazy uh, metals and things that they needed uh, to do. To, to, to really punch into a pumpkin head's eyes and rip out the skull and let air back into the brain where it where it belongs. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, all that stuff, uh, this businessman provided that for him, and he got turned by a, a British and American uh, uh, agents, uh, the OSS, uh, during World War II to do some spying on German industry. So he became he became a, 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 a oil tycoon. He was an oil tycoon, but he became a, mm-hmm. a spy for the British and American correct forces right. from Sweden. So he and had, in order to do it, yeah. what made it the, where we get the name counterfeit trader? Yes, that he had to buy into the Nazi. He, he had to pretend to buy into Nazi behavior mm-hmm. uh, in order to be able to do it to befriend uh, these these higher ups and the to, right to to to. Kiss the appropriate asses and get the the contracts necessary yeah. as a businessman, and and so the most poignant element of that was him actively having to shun and 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 humiliate his best friend at the time, who was of course a Jew, a Jewish, a person of Jewishness. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Oh yeah. Well, so, that's it. So yeah. So he's he's enlisted. He's well. He's blackmailed. But he's well, not actually enlisted. He's a, he's initially blackmailed into becoming this sort of spy, right? The movie, indi- yeah. I mean, I think in real life it's a little more ambiguous than that. But okay. in, but in the movie, they pretty much yeah they they push him. So that's into the other counterfeit this. part is that he doesn't initially want to be a spy. Correct. There's no ideological reasons behind it. But they they have this initial meeting with him where they they secretly record him saying again ambiguous things that could be seen as not neutral. Right. In a way. And it's enough to get him started being a spy, making trips into Germany to visit some of his old oil buddies who are under the Nazi regime at the time. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's allowed to sort of go freely because he's, fr- he's a businessman from a neutral state. And also, you know, he's proved himself to be sympathetic, at least, in, in nature to the Nazi cause. So, yeah. So he gets all this, this sort of leeway. And, you know, uh, blackmailed or not, he uses that leeway to get around and, you know, come back with industrial aspen, uh, secrets. Okay, so this is the premise of the film, right? right. And, and and so there's lots of things that I mean, it's the problem, right? He's he he's doing something he doesn't fully believe in, but he's doing it under duress. He's doing the right thing right. for the wrong reasons, as far as the audience is concerned, mm-hmm. and, and and that's the initial sort of conflict. And then the, the sort of ongoing, numerous conflicts are the jams he gets himself into as a spy. Number one, right? And then will he turn? And by turn, we mean turn morally, yes, to become sort of a. a 
which go ahead. No, I was going to say which he does, and yeah. and also, and this is also definitely this is a nice piece, a little bit of Hollywood. Uh, he's led in his moral journey. Good. By uh, are you hearing that? It's a but it's a hum. Yeah. Okay, uh, he's uh, led by. Uh, I thought that was. I thought that was the stroke coming on. Uh, <laughs> much, may well be my much awaited. Please, yeah. and, um, but but of course, uh, like like any good Hollywood movie, particularly of the era, he has he's led to you know his moral led into his moral journey by a woman who's there. You know, by a love, Palmer, a love interest, right? Yeah. Lily Palmer, right? Well, but and and the, the conflict there is that he's led more into it by her. He's coming along as a moral human being, you know, from mm-hmm. blackmail to a moral human being, but that she's the exact opposite. She's actually in a privileged position in German society yes. and is willing to risk it all and risk her life, of course. From a strictly moral reason. Well, and a strictly specifically Catholic, Catholic moral, moral reason, reason, right? We, to never do the right thing. Far, we, do, we will never get far away from Catholicism as long as we're in the 50s and 60s, man. Oh, well, in a way, I thought you meant also because of our family. Well, uh, we're yeah, but that was, guts. <laughs> we are, but none of them were moral. Well, that's fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> it, had, okay. it had nothing to do with the morality. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay, so so anyway, so uh, the film is. I mean, I love this film. I'm just going to sort of like. I'm not going to wait until the end to say I've always loved this film. Go ahead. But we got to. But but let's go back because you started this out. And you're talking about this nightmarish quality oh, that yeah. this movie has. Let's yeah. not forget that one. Because there's this child in this movie who's a who plays oh, yeah. dude Hans Hans he's a yeah. fucking he is like uh, oh he's like this Nazi this children of the corn yep. Hitler youth yes who gleefully gleefully turns people in yes for his uniform he, as wants, long as he can keep his uniform he wants medals for his uniform oh yeah he's such a Hans. little he is the epitome of the word cunt I not he is a little not, cunt for sure. But I'm not kidding. And, and, and let me just go one step Please. further and, and help me in, and let me know if this is maybe something in there. Yeah. But you looked a little bit like him when you were that age. I acted a little like him too. Did you? Yeah. I, I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that. I mean, okay. you do now. <laughs> I mean, the Nazism hasn't gone far far. Hasn't a, fallen far from the the, the watchtower. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but but you kind of. I mean, you were you know you were a skinny toe headed kid as well. Yeah. And in that sense, there was a certain resemblance that even when I was watching the movie, yeah. I, I, I remarked that to myself. No, that isn't it. What it is is this. Is I think we still have it. It's like. Um, the 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 dream you have mm-hmm. where you're going to get caught for something you don't know you don't know what it is you did but you know that you're going to get caught for it uh. I have this dream I have a a dream I just have I've had it half a dozen times where I walk into this luxurious house <laughs> and and I'm I walk into a house that I know it's not mine and I'm I'm just enjoying myself like using the hot tub eating making meals. And then I hear fucking the catch. So, the catch. And somewhere in the dream, I hear the click at the front door. And every time, I suddenly realize it's my ex-wife and her new. And it's, ah. like, oh, it's like I'm in their house. Oh no! Like, <laughs> and so it's that. It's the idea that in, I in met this, your ex-wife. I feel the terror. <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> and, but it's that. It's that feeling. I think that mm. that you've done something wrong, even though you haven't done something wrong. But you're going to be punished for doing it. And this film is. It's all about that tension. Yeah, it's about he, somebody's going to get caught. There's a scene where he's he's um, he's he's in this sort of apartment with Lily Palmer, his his sort of um, compadre as as a spy, the, right. the German woman. Well, and, controller, I think, in technical terms. Okay. Mm-hmm. So she she has um, they fallen in love, <laughs> and she has informed him that she's going to quit the quit the business because even though. Um, it's moral to be a spy if she's ultimately responsible for for the deaths of German children with the information that she provides. She right. can no longer do it, mm-hmm. and so they're, they're 
it's a sort of last scene and and um and you hear that the SS that ridiculous European siren da, 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 mm-hmm. and it pulls up to the front of the building and they're get, trying to get the story straight and she's going to throw herself on the sword for him and it's like oh my god they're about to die and the SS men come up and they go past their apartment and and you Can't realize that it's it's the next door neighbor has been printing anti um, you know, right. Nazi pamphlets or something like that. Like but, dummies. Yeah, but it's like that that somebody, you're always in danger in right. this film, and it's what I loved about it, but it's also what gave me nightmares when I was yeah. not listening to the Days of Wine and Roses audio recording <laughs> falling to sleep. I, was, I, was, I, found that, I found it soothing to listen to alcoholics <laughs> spiral out of control. It's, got, well, it's just got so much great stuff and, and so much sort of like that, I, I think what it, why it would appeal to, to young people if you could get them to watch it is it's got that sort of like, um, hidden bookcase quality to it. Like there's always mm. sort of like this this way to get around being caught for things. It's what I really like about um, good kids movies is that a good kids movie will will, will posit the mm. idea that adults aren't going to believe you and resist the fucking pedophilia jokes. I mean, in the, the general sense that adults just don't believe children. And somewhere yeah. in a good kids movie, the the, the kids are are. Um, you Independent. Know. They have to go. They have to. They have to solve their own problems. And the adults realize they should have believed them. Which, by the way, is what makes Harry Potter not good movies. I don't know anything about it, but but the counterfeit traitor. I think I, I'm not mm. crazy. You know, as I mean, I'm crazy mm. for being an 11 year old who loved classic movies. I guess, but I'm not crazy in liking that classic movie as long as I did because it had that quality about it. Someone who's right yeah. is going to be wrongly accused, and their whole sort of mission is to to you know find yeah. the truth. Or escape in some way. Yeah, no, no. It's it, I, I, I. Here's the thing. I this movie, God, I've seen it a million times. Yeah. Um, Watch it. Love it. Yeah. Is it a flawed movie? A little bit. Oh, of course. It's yeah. got some flaws. No question. Definitely. Yeah. Um, but it holds up. It, it definitely really holds up. And, and yeah, it's a quality. It's a it's a movie that delivers on its premise of that of tension of sus- actual suspense. I think I might I may be making this up, but I'm not sure. But but he Holden actually after making this movie. Um, spent a part of every year in Sweden. He had like a house there, really, because he enjoyed the whole. I don't know. Makes really no difference. Love that that jellyfish shit that they eat there. Uh-huh. The yeah. 1962 classic um, counterfeit <laughs> trader is fantastic. And now I'd like to get your take on a 19. Let's go back in time to Ooh. Billy Wilder's 1953 Ooh. film, uh, Starlight 17. Starlight 17. Uh, phew, okay. Um, I like that it gave us Hogan Heroes. No, uh, it's a, it's a good, uh, love the movie. Okay, I've seen it many times. Seriously flawed. Uh, what's this? What's the story about? Um, American POWs in a in a German POW camp during World War II. All fighter pilots, I believe. Uh, n- nope, not sergeants, pilots, but uh, all of them in in part of the air service. Okay, um, because those. The, the, there were particular kinds of camps, and Air Force uh, people in the in the air arm tended to be treated in a specific sort of way, slightly okay. better than the rest. Oh, whatever. Right. In any event, they were they were also kept uh, in their own loggers by the Luftwaffe. Yeah, a Stalag, uh, a, a POW camp. Yeah, a camp is a lager, but a Stalag specifically is this kind of a camp. Okay, <sighs> I'm boring me, folks. I'm gonna. It. Fall asleep, but that might just be yeah. the diabetes. Okay. I wouldn't mind if you went out for these stories if you didn't lift your shirt and start twiddling your nipples every time you did it. It's but, you, really distracting. You won't let me twiddle yours, motherfucker. <laughs> Something's gotta get twiddled at this place. Okay, stop up 17. in this piece. You know what I mean. Okay. Anyways, uh, so it's these uh, these uh, these air crews in uh, in a POW camp. Um, they basically uh, they're bored shitless. It follows that part of it. 
Uh, this isn't a great escape movie, um, but this is the this, what is it? Uh, they find out that there's a a spy. Okay, so the the conflict even before that though is, I mean, you're right. It's attached to it. Is this is that most of the people in this camp sort of follow the idea that like it's it's your duty to confound and harass the enemy and to okay. escape and to get back home. Right. And there's a cynic among them, and that's William Holden, who's. Right who's made his peace with the idea that he's going to become the best traitor in the camp. And that's with a D, not traitor, but traitor. He's going to always have cigarettes. He's always going to have right. liquor and fresh eggs and so forth. So he's going to do, he's going to do good he's business with the Nazis. He's going to wheel and deal with the Nazis, right. right. And, and everyone sort of hates him for, for the – not that he does it because they all do it, but that he does it well. Well, he, that he does it well and he does it unapologetically. And yeah. he doesn't maintain a veneer of, uh, of uh, what do you want to call that um, – uh, optimistic American patriotism. Nope. He, he he completely eschews that whole concept. He's King Rat yep. in this movie. He's, uh, he's going to ride it out in the most the most comfortable way possible. And he even for some reason, as this other sergeant named Cookie, who's got a, like a stammer and a stutter for being shot down, has agreed to be his sort of manservant in this. I have no idea why. It's that's a flaw in the film. But right. but that so that that sort of like other personality that he presents is the sort of segue into the fact that you just mentioned that. It, it becomes apparent that there is an informant. An informant in the camp. Uh, yeah. There, there's a uh, like a, a pilot escapes uh, is is making an escape. Somehow he gets into the camp and he hides out there, uh, and is immediately turned over. And they figure out there's an informant. And all the clues, well, based on everyone's prejudice against William Holden's character, lead yep. to William Holden. So they. Hold him accountable for hold it. Him mm, accountable. Hold him. You got to know when to hold him, my friend. Know when to hold him. Okay, anyways, uh, <laughs> they hold him to account for it. And it's his job. It, at that point, it's his job, uh, his duty to, to, well, to self preserve. Well, I'm going to use a word that Tom, and save his own life. Tom's not familiar with, but I like it. It's, it's a trope in a way. And the mm. trope is the, the man who's been falsely accused, but who has to clear himself in sure. one way or another, right? Okay. Well played, yes. And you mentioned, by the way, Hogan's Heroes, which was, I don't know if that was my first favorite television show as a kid or not, but I used to love, for the same reasons, I think we just talked about Counterfeit Trader, about the, the, the secret bookcase and everything. Hogan's uh, Heroes, like, yeah. there was always, there was a radio hidden in the coffee pot and they had a ridiculous tunnel that came out in a tree stuff sometimes <laughs> and, a, and another thing another time and the prisoners would remain prisoners tunnels. on purpose yeah. so that they could like <laughs> like get into town into Berlin and cause trouble and then get back to their barracks somehow and, and by course, trouble we mean something in the neighborhood of an, like a, of an animal house uh, toga party it was ridiculous <laughs> always they ridiculous they pee in the punch at a, at a Nazi rally or something and it was always aided by in Hogan's Heroes that is um, uh, Sergeant Schultz, I see nothing. I know nothing. And Werner Klemper, I think his Werner name was Klemper. the the uh, the, the oh, uh, Colonel Klink. Colonel Klink, thank you very much. Ooh. So Starlock Seventeen oh, isn't that obvious and isn't that bad. Uh, uh, well, it's a great movie, actually. I shouldn't say that bad, but it doesn't mm -hmm. have. It has its own Sergeant Schultz. But he's not like completely a buffoon and clueless. Well, no, you see first off exactly where they came up with uh, Hogan's Heroes. I mean, they yeah. were ripping off a lot of things sure. out of, straight out of Solid Style, Style Seventeen. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, very unapologetically too. Okay, yeah. Um, just just as a side note, I, uh, my favorite thing in retrospect about Hogan's Heroes, which God, I love that show too for yeah. so many years. Sure. How did hot chicks keep getting into? <laughs> A prison camp, and he would so that Bob Crane of all people could get laid. It was hilarious. Wait, there was like always a hot chick. There yeah, was like your, every fourth your episode. Memory some... is, I think, your memory is no. betraying you. It was just Colonel Clink's secretary. 
No, no, there were like all these these uh, these members of the uh, of the resistance would the show way, up. Can I say this? And this is the first time. This is the first time I took notice of like a, like like a like a French kiss and what. That can was I, like, can oh, I tell you? I had no idea what the mechanics were, but I was intrigued by that shit. Yeah, you still don't. But but can I just tell you that this horrible <laughs> aspect of, of my childhood memory? I just remember this in Daly City. I when I was like seven or something, and I heard that Bob Crane died. <laughs> I was inconsolable. My mother was really upset. Little did I know he had his like head bashed in by a, a like a bondage lover or something. But but and anyway, was, and it was a race between like the the head trauma and the asshole trauma. What we know. Are you talking about me or Bob Crane? Bob Crane, you're no, you're the asshole trauma continues to pace with you, my friend. And um, by the way, so so, so in, in in Hogan's Heroes, it was Colonel Clink, but in Billy Wilder's Stalag Seventeen, it was the great director Otto Preminger, Otto who Preminger. played, who had nothing to do with the direction, who played the role <laughs> of the commandant, and I think rather well. Oh, he was great. He was yeah. great, and the guy who played the. Um, uh, you know the the Schultz character in yeah. Stalag Seventeen was great as well. God damn it! The Galanga of Cincinnati. We could fly off and we could just like fly off and just do nothing. Finish this episode yeah. on Hogan's Heroes, but I don't think. Are we you should. going back to Hogan's Heroes? No, we should. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, back to Stalag Seventeen. Myself. Please, please, please. The days of wine. Okay, so I'm heading over. Yeah, back over there. Um, Here's one of the things that's really uh, that I like about this movie. Yeah, uh, is is that though we've described the story. What we haven't described is that this is also a very – it does a really good job of covering sort of these individual stories of the soldiers yep. in the camp themselves. Yep. Some of them are absurd. Yes. Some of them are kind of touching. There's this one guy who has like just horrifying PTSD, and all he does is sit there with an ocarina Joey. all the time. Well, an ocarina is like a little wooden uh, pipe. Yeah, yeah. It's a little wooden – it's like a little round wooden pipe with finger holes on it. Ocarina. You blow in it. Is that the name for that? Yeah, yeah. My God, Tom! Go ahead, nerd. Yeah, uh, nerd alert. Uh, but anyway, so uh, but but you but, but Joey, yeah, he's this guy. He's a gentle soul who wants nothing to do with yeah. anything at all. Violent later on, uh, he does actually. Doesn't he turn out to be sort of key? No. to hold and finding out, or he's also like, well, yeah. no, he's a silent witness to the yeah. situation. Yeah, um, but but there's but all that these character. great characters, that, and then Robert Strauss is. Uh, this terrible over the top character animal, animal. who's just like a dopey New Jersey, ah, blah, blah, blah. and he's in love with Betty Betty Crable. He Betty. wants to get home to see Betty Crable. Oh yeah, and 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 Peter's got he's got his handler, you know the 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 uh, the, the George Sugar Lips Kowalski. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the the George to his the, his lumbering Lenny. Yeah, it's who, full of those characters, and then also the. Um, well, I don't want to say exactly who he is precisely in this, but but uh, Peter Graves. Peter Graves. Who's oh, fantastic. Yeah, it's a, young, it's a baby Peter Graves. Just the year before, maybe two years before Night of the Hunter, I want to say. But yeah, he's fantastic. Was, was it, yeah, 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 right right in that neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. The, the thing about Peter Graves is I always remember him in the 70s. I, I just, I, if he doesn't have silver hair, yeah. I don't recognize him. Mission Impossible, Leslie Nielsen right? is the same thing. Yeah. You know, that quality. Once they get into the white hair, I know him, boom, we're in. But before that, I, it takes me a while to even know that that's that person. Yeah. You well, know. this is okay. So, like, I remember when I was a kid with both Stalag Seventeen and Hogan Heroes, especially Hogan Heroes, we had some Jewish friends, the Corns, who mm-hmm. were furious about those about both Imagine of those. Imagine that. Well, I didn't quite get it, but but Stalag Seventeen, I'm not sure I get at this point because it I, just made light of the Nazis. Anything that made they didn't like the Great Dictator either. Anything yeah. that sort of okay. made light of that situation was oh, not funny I can to them. I can totally see that about like 
Hogan's, Hogan's Heroes. Is, yeah, of course. I just went, I swear to God, if there are a time machine, there are a couple of places I'd love to go. One of them is the pitch office when they sold Hogan's Heroes on that one. All That's, right, let me tell you, this was going to be about Nazis, but hold on. The funny, they're hilarious Nazis. They're hilarious. One of the characters, uh, we're actually got an actor. Oh, sorry about that. Oh, Jesus, man. Well, my and my hands all are the flying place. all over the place. It's yeah. not my man titties. Yeah. Uh, you're safe, everyone. Anyways, one of the characters we're going to put in the show uh, actually is going to be played by a person who was in a concentration camp. Oh, uh, 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 Colonel Clank. Well, no, because no, no. he made it out ahead of time. No, LeBeau. LeBeau the Frenchman? He had been part of the French resistance and spent time. How did you make, you made it back to Hogan's Heroes? I did, because this is such a great story. Uh, Okay. I just just imagine in LeBeau, like, you're like, hey, like of all the of all the shitty jobs yep. anybody's ever had, yeah. I'd be like, you know what? We're going to pay you decent money to relive being in a concentration yeah. camp, but we're going to make it funny. I mean, how insulting must that have been? He took it. Oh, of course, you can't pass it up. He's, a, he's an actor. Yeah, actors act. Yeah, and Tom just throws his mic around all over the place. Ah, that was my man titty. Sorry, <laughs> folks. So, uh, can we say anything else about Stalag 17? Stalag 17, great movie. I mean, fantastic it, it, movie. It, it is a classic movie. It's an acknowledged classic movie. Yep. It does, Counterfeit Trader is not an acknowledged classic movie, I don't think. No, I, I think it should be, though. <laughs> I agree. I agree. But Stalag 17 is an acknowledged one, and it deserves that place. Last time I looked, for whatever reason, Stalag 17 has sustained its place on YouTube as a movie you can watch for free. Nice. So, and it's, it's so I don't know what the contract is there, but. Watch I it for free. We're gonna do that with with the movies that, we're, that where I post the link on the website. We're gonna we're gonna, if if it's a free movie, yeah, put the whole movie link on there. I think so. Snows of Kilimanjaro. I know it does that because that's uh, that's open source right now. Yeah, so we can. Uh, hey, you know, <laughs> you know what I just realized because I realized we're sort of we're starting heading toward the end of this episode is mm-hmm. the last. I'm thinking back to the last episode we recorded. And we did plugs for your shows that will have happened before that episode is posted. Yes. So I'm asking you now: Are there? Do you want to plug any any shows that you've already done? Yes, uh, I would like to. Uh, the my in 2000, I did a really good opening set. It was the first set. Yeah, <laughs> that was actually nah, the only good opening yeah, set I you ever did. Oh, Joe! Bang zoom! God, that hurt so much. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, at this point, I don't have anything really in the skeds, um, but. Uh, I definitely want to encourage our listeners to stay tuned. I'm at Tom uh, at TomSmithComedy.com. Come check it out if you're interested in catching one of my future shows. If you don't hear it here, you'll see it posted there. Uh, we are uh, the Phillies on Film. Come check us out there. Please join us on Twitter. Join us on Facebook. Join us every place you can join us, uh, especially if you get a chance to come join us on Patreon. Fabulous prizes await. What kind of prizes, Tom? Fabulous one. <laughs> okay. Um, we are the Phillies on Film. We love classic film. We love uh, we love uh, talking. We love arguing. Okay, goodbye. Everyone. We love not having a script for this <laughs> shit, and we probably see, ought to. We'll see you all next time. And we didn't, and it stopped recording five minutes ago. <laughs> Bye.